my calling wasn't anything like Isaiah's in our first reading. Though it is one of the most popular texts that you'll hear read at ordinations, Isaiah has a vision that sounds, to be honest, pretty trippy. He sees a throne room where God's robe is so large that just the hymn fills the whole place, something out of Alice in Wonderland. There's smoke and rumbling and pivoting thresholds, whatever those are, and seraphs in attendance. Apparently, angels are actually terrifying-looking beings. Isaiah describes creatures with six wings and many eyes and voices, and they make you feel like you are the lowest, smallest, dirtiest being in creation. Woe is me, is all that Isaiah can manage to cry at this swirling, psychedelic vision. Trippy. That is not my call story, but it was Reverend Mike Youngs, a pastor who was a seminary student during a time in the 1960s where research on hallucinogens like LSD and psilocybin were being tested on people. (laughs) Um, One of these studies was done on divinity students uh, who were given psilocybin at a Good Friday service in a church basement. (laughs) What a time the 1960s must have been, (laughs) y'all. Mike Young had a vision, like Isaiah, and it changed him and sent him on the path to the ministry. In fact, in between the two groups of divinity students, the ones who took the hallucinogens and the control group, those two groups, guess which group stayed in the ministry for the rest of their careers? The ones with the visions. The study followed them the rest of their lives. Of the control group, hardly any did. But my calling wasn't anything like that, and I, of course, cannot recommend this path to you. Luckily, we have other options Like Paul's calling in our epistle today. He talks about handing on to others what he had received in a nice little summation of the faith that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and that he appeared to his disciples, and finally, he appeared to Paul. Some kind volunteer teacher handed Paul the church's teachings which he then hands on himself. This sounds much more like the church basements I've experienced versus Mike Young's. Paul calls himself one untimely born. It's a word for a fetus exposed too soon to the cold world, and Paul says Christ, in these teachings, gave him life. This might be a little bit more like your call. The moment after a lifetime of hearing these stories handed down to you when for some, one day, for for some unpredictable reason, they came alive to you. An epiphany where Jesus appeared, suddenly tangible to you, when he brought you in from the cold. But I like our gospel, actually, when I consider my own call. 
Jesus goes to a lake and the crowds follow him, barely able to contain their need. They press close and smother. There are fishermen nearby, minding their own business. And Jesus asks to use a boat owned by a guy named Simon Peter. They push off. Jesus teaches from the water to the shore and then turns his attention to the fishermen. Now, boats, of course, are an extremely important symbol in the Gospels. Jesus is always getting in and out of boats, always working some miracle or another from them. The boat is a metaphor for sanctuary, an ancient symbol of an ark where God's people are safe from the chaos around. It's the reason we call this a nave. But water is an even more prevalent and potent symbol in the text, as I've mentioned. When you see water in the Bible, it is not there by accident. Remember that water is the element of chaos, the overwhelming force that undoes the reliable order of God's creation. But it's not just the Bible, is it, where the symbol of water means this? Water is the primordial soup. The unknown, where death and regeneration swirl around. In psychoanalysis, water is the archetypal symbol of the unconscious. Carl Jung says that water is the unconscious spirit. An interesting thing to consider when reading this story. Jesus turns his attention to the fishermen surrounded by water. Take your boat to the deep water, he says. Let down your nets. See what comes up. I don't know about you, but so often I've heard this story of the miraculous catch told as a sort of triumphant Christian missionary tale where Jesus provides a abundance and success and good feelings so long as we let our nets down faithfully and spread the good news and make disciples, etc., etc. You've heard it. This interpretation seems to fundamentally miss the feeling of this story. What comes up from the water isn't good for the disciples. They can't handle it. Their boats start sinking. All these nets that they're exhausted from already after letting them out all night, these nets suddenly filled not just to capacity, but taking them down. Jesus disturbs what's laying there in the deep. Notice Peter does not proclaim the glory of God's abundance. He cries out, get away from me. Go away. It's the same Greek word that's used when Jesus commands demons to leave. Peter cannot handle what's been brought up from the deep. I think that really rings true for what it's like to experience a calling It comes to the most ordinary people doing their jobs, tired out, trying to make ends meet, trying to keep it together. God asks something of you that even seems maybe natural. But when you let those nets out, things 
start coming up. Things that were unbothered in the unconscious. Things too much to handle. Carl Jung writes that I feed the hungry, that I forgive an insult, that I love my enemy in the name of Christ. All of these are undoubtedly great virtues. But what if I should discover that the least among them all, the poorest of all the beggars, the most impudent of all the offenders, the very enemy himself, that these are within me, and that I myself stand in need of the alms of my own kindness, that I myself am the enemy who must be loved. What then? As a rule, the Christian's attitude is then reversed. We hide it from the world. We refuse to admit ever having met this least among the lowly in ourselves. Jesus calls his disciples after they're nearly sunk from following his commands, almost as if to say, I see you. Your subconscious fears, your hidden motivations, your desires and failures and very sinkable human self. But follow me. We've got to go to those depths. People like you are the ones who I want to call. 